Um, I want to begin the message this morning by telling you a story about when I was about seven years old. My brother was about five. We lived in the Solomon Islands, our family. And one day we visited this small island, just an island just big enough to hold an airstrip. Uh, it's called Ferro Island. Uh, and you land on that island, hopefully, if you make it and, and uh, hit it just right. And then from there you catch a boat to uh, other islands where people live because the island's so small, no one's on it. It's just the airstrip on Ferro Island. And, uh, and so we left early in the morning. It was just, uh, I believe, at that stage, my brother and I, no younger sister, mum and dad in the plane going to visit friends on an island just next to Ferro Island. And so we're in a small plane, as you do, leaving early in the morning. My younger brother, about five years old, Michael, um, fell asleep as we flew. And as we came into that final approach, and we were approaching the island, descending, and the plane was banking, ready to come onto its final approach, Michael woke up. And looked out the window, and all he could see was the deep blue sea. And he just turned back to mum and dad, and he goes, are we going to land in the water? Because everything, all he could see, his entire view was the ocean. He didn't know there was a small island. He didn't know there was an airstrip right there. All he could see was the water, and he thought we were going to crash into it. And, and I imagine something of what Michael felt on that day is a little bit like what the disciples would have felt on the first Good Friday. As they stood there at the cross or as they, they hid somewhere in Jerusalem or as they hid outside of Jerusalem, there was nothing good about that day. I want to invite you to listen again as I pull out just a few lines from the story of Jesus' suffering from Mark 15. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and they threw dice to decide who would get each piece. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. And the leading priests and the teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. And even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. If you were there that Friday, there was nothing good about it. Not a thing. There was nothing good about that first Good Friday for those who were there. And when I was growing up, that's how I remember Good Friday as well. It was a day when it seemed like we were just supposed to be quiet. We were supposed to feel sad. Didn't In my memory, we were never allowed to do fun things on Good Friday or go to fun places. It was a somber, quiet day. Terribly boring for a child. But, but that's what I remember. I'm like, there's nothing good at all about this day. And the same cross and day that we now celebrate, and we rightly celebrate today, for the disciples, for Jesus' followers on the first Good Friday, was a broken promise. And it was unmet expectations. You know, the kingdom that Jesus came to bring was dead and gone. 
And you can imagine them feeling this crushing defeat and crushing grief, starting to ask themselves and maybe each other, like, did I waste my life? Did I, did I throw my career away three years ago when all of this began? And some of them probably going, oh man, should I, should I have listened to my mum when she told me, don't you go following that guy around the Galilean countryside? The first Good Friday wasn't just the death of Jesus, the man. It was the death of hope and the death of life itself for the disciples. And, and while it's impossible for us to really understand what it felt like for them, because we weren't there and we know the end of the story, it's impossible for us, but we can still get a glimpse of what it could have been like because we also have times in our life when it feels like death, when it feels like failure, when it feels like sin is just completely overwhelming us and, and we cannot get away from it. Many of you will know that my wife, Laura, has been on the Gold Coast this week. I'm spending time with her family and particularly with her dad, Tony, who after three and a half years, we knew was right at the end of his life after a battle with motor neurone disease. His body had been ravaged and immobilized by the disease. Now, Laura said nothing, nothing moved on his body. He had no muscle movement or control except his eyebrows could go up and down and his mouth could move a little bit. Some days it seems like death completely overwhelms us. Maybe today you're in the middle of a major life meltdown. It could be that the relationship that was once rock solid has been ripped apart. Trust has been destroyed. The job that you relied on has been taken away from you. Or the thing that you most feared has come to pass. And the nights just seem to last forever. And then when the daylight finally comes, it still feels like you're living under a heavy cloud. Food doesn't taste the same. It feels like every smile is fake. What's the point anymore? Some days it feels like failure completely overwhelms us. Or it could be that today you're feeling the weight of your own sin. There's stuff going on in your life that you've been trying to keep under wraps and keep buried, but it's bursting out for everyone to see. And you're bearing the consequences of your own brokenness or your own selfishness. And you could be stuck today in destructive habits and patterns and you just can't find your way out. And some days it feels like sin just completely overwhelms us you know these things in our lives they're not the same as it would have been watching Jesus die that day but they help us understand what it would have felt like to watch all of your hopes be nailed to a cross and they also help us understand the reason why Jesus had to die why he chose to die Because Good Friday is a vital part of the story. It's a necessary part. Because in dying, Jesus took on all of those things that we've been talking about, all that stuff that we feel. He took on death. He took on failure. He took on sin. He took on hopelessness and darkness and devastation. All the stuff that overwhelms us and threatens to destroy us, 
Jesus took that on as he died on the cross. You know, his apostle Peter, some years later, wrote this in one of his letters. He wrote, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. As we look back today, Good Friday isn't bad at all for us. The cross of Christ is incredibly good because we know that our sin is nailed to that cross. We know that the cross cancelled the charges against us. We know that the power of shame was broken on the cross. And we see the promise in that cross of redemption, of atonement. Because Jesus took on sin, he took all of it in the whole world when he died on that cross so that he could bring you safely home to God. That makes Friday incredibly good. But sometimes it's important to just focus on part of the story. And sometimes only having part of the story can make all the difference. In the Battle of Waterloo in 1815, it was the the Allies under the English banner fighting the the French army under Emperor Napoleon. So the Duke of Wellington leading the Allies under England, fighting the French under Emperor Napoleon. Not Napoleon Dynamite, Emperor (laughs) Napoleon. And in those days, in 1815, communication wasn't great or easy. And so after the big battle and the battlefront in Belgium, word travelled slowly back home to England. And, uh, and I cannot verify this, but it's a brilliant urban legend. So according to urban legends, the first bit of communication to get across the channel was by semaphore flags from a boat. And the flags could be put in different arrangements to indicate letters. And so as the ship was sailing towards England, they were signalling to someone watching from a tower on the coast to, to give them the news in advance so that horses could ride and carry it back to the palace. And so they started to spell out letter by letter, Wellington, which is the Duke of Wellington for them, Wellington defeated, and at that point, a thick English fog descended on the channel and communication was lost and so word did travel quickly as quick as it could through the countryside Wellington had been defeated all hope is lost prepare yourselves because war is coming to our coast who in the world could stop the Emperor Napoleon now but as the fog lifted and the signaling continued and then began again the whole message was received Wellington defeated Napoleon There is a huge difference between defeat and the appearance of defeat to actual victory. And Friday is the appearance of defeat. It's only part of the story. On Good Friday, the fog hasn't lifted yet. On Good Friday, if you're in that little plane landing on the airstrip, we're still out over the water. We can't see the runway yet. But because we know about the whole Easter weekend, we know that Jesus passed through death and was resurrected to new life and didn't just take on sin and death, but defeated them completely. And and even more than that, even more than just a great spiritual truth, Jesus offers for us to be spiritually united with him so that he can deal with our sin, to deal with our issues, to deal with the stuff that overwhelms us. 
And so in Romans chapter 6, which we've looked at in this series as a church, the Apostle Paul wrote, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Because since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. You know, our lives have darkness in them. The, the messy sin, the painful history, the regrettable decisions, the traumatic news, and the overwhelming grief. Those things are real and they're part of every person's life. But when we choose to identify with Jesus, unite with him in his death on Good Friday, he can remove the power of those things in our lives. He can transform us from the inside out as we journey through that darkness. And we know that no matter what lies ahead, no matter what darkness or light may lie ahead in your life, we also can be united with Jesus in being raised to new life. Because without Good Friday, there would be no light for our darkest days. Without Good Friday, there'd be no forgiveness for our deepest sin. And without Good Friday, there'd be no hope for our most hopeless situations. But there is. There is a Good Friday. There is light and forgiveness and hope. And because of the whole Easter weekend, Jesus enables us to now live new lives today. I want to show you a, a piece of artwork in a minute, not, not just yet upstairs. I need to prepare you because it's, it's weird, all right? So just have in your mind weird art. This is an etching uh, on, uh, from the year 1550 by German artist Augustin Hirschvogel. And it shows not an accurate depiction of Jesus on the cross, as you might imagine it, but it's an artistic portrayal of Jesus carrying sin and death and evil over his shoulder as he willingly climbs onto the cross. Now I'll let you see it. I warned you it was weird, hey? Remember, none of this is what the first Good Friday actually looked like. It's an artistic version of what we've been talking about, but notice the different elements there. This is Jesus willingly stepping up to sacrifice himself. This is Jesus choosing to climb a ladder to be nailed to the cross. And look at what he's carrying. He's carrying the devil. He's carrying a skeleton. He's carrying a dead body, representing the fact that Jesus carried your sin and your death and all evil in his body on the cross. And he doesn't need any help. You know, as I saw someone comment when I saw this this week, Jesus didn't skip leg day. Look at those leg muscles. Jesus doesn't need any help. No one could ever do what Jesus did. He's carrying those things entirely by himself. Jesus overcame death and pain and suffering on the cross. Not, not his own, not just his own. All of humanity's, including yours. Jesus takes it all and deals with it, which means three quick things, I reckon. First of all, it means a brand new life of restored relationship with God. No more distance between you and God. 
you are completely forgiven and accepted and welcomed into his family. It means hope and purpose and meaning today. It means no more endless boredom and drudgery, like let's just go through the motions every day. If you're living a brand new life with Jesus, he has important things for you to do. Are they going to be easy? Some of them might be, but probably they won't be. But they're going to be incredibly important, incredibly meaningful, and incredibly life-changing as you have hope and purpose and meaning from him. And the last thing is that this living of new lives continues on into the next life. Since we've been united with Christ in his death, we will also be raised to new life as he was. As he was. Jesus died a complete physical death. Completely dead. But then raised to new life, raised in the spirit, but raised also to a brand new physical body. It was still him, but it was so much better. Completely restored and brand new. Now, my father-in-law, Laura's dad, Tony, um, died on Wednesday night this week. And the family were able to be there with him in those final moments. And his wife, Laura's mum, was there as he took his last breath. And his sin and his death and his sickness had already been carried by Jesus onto that cross. And he knew that. As Jesus hung there that day in, uh, in, in one of the other Gospels, it says something that we didn't read out this morning. It says what Jesus said to one of the guys on the cross next to him who stopped mocking and realized who Jesus was. And Jesus said to that man, today you'll be with me in paradise. Or I believe what Jai read earlier was something like, today we'll walk in God's garden. That's what Tony knew and Tony believed and, and that's where we believe he was on Wednesday night. No longer with us, but immediately with Jesus. And those words can be true for you as well. In your life, you'll always feel some weight of sin and death and failure. But Jesus has already dealt with them, which means that you now can live a brand new life and have certain hope in the life to come. You know, as we read in this passage, the symbol of baptism, physically going under the water is important because it identifies you with Jesus' death. And then physically coming up out of the water is important because it physically identifies you with Jesus' resurrection. And so when we baptize people, and and we will actually on Easter Sunday, we're going to go down to Gumbura Park after the morning service, and we're going to baptize three people who, who spiritually that's already happened. Spiritually, they've already identified with Jesus' death and resurrection, but we're going to baptize them with that physical symbol and reminder of what's already a spiritual reality of the new lives they can live. And the other brilliant symbol we have of our identifying with Christ and our unity with him is communion. And that's what we're going to do together now before we sing our final song. We share in communion together every week when we gather as a church, but it's extra special today. Extra special on the day that we particularly remember Jesus on the cross. And the night before Jesus went to the cross, he had his final meal with his disciples, his closest friends. And they were celebrating the traditional Jewish meal as they gathered in that upstairs room. But on this night, with them having no idea what was about to happen, and Jesus knowing exactly what was about to happen, he handed them a practice that they could carry into the future. What Jesus handed them was something that they could do 
on the days when darkness seemed to crowd in. He gave them something they could eat and drink on the days when their own sin seemed to overwhelm them. Jesus gave them something they could do on the days when death seemed to have the victory. And we still do that today. You know, as we sit and take communion in a moment, you might do that with incredible joy and a sense of victory over sin and death and failure. But it's not only for you. It's also for the people who feel crushed, who feel lost, who feel overwhelmed with their own sin and mistakes and the the devastation in your life. Communion is also for you. This is a practice Jesus gave, a really physical, practical symbol to remind us of what he's done. And each day, each week we do it, and today we remember and we celebrate and we proclaim his death until he comes again. So Jesus taught the disciples and he taught us to take bread, or in our case, it's just a small wafer on the top, to remind us of his body broken for us. And he taught us to take a cup of wine for him and his friends, for us it's juice, And we remember his blood poured out for us. So communion is available to you this morning. If you would like to remember Jesus in this way, identify with him in his death on the cross today, then communion is open to you. Kids in the room, um, as you hang out with your mum and dad, just talk to them and parents. You can guide what your kids do, but there's no age limit um, for us here as a church family. That's entirely up to you. Let's take a moment and pause together and pray. And then I'll give you some space to do that in your own time. So Jesus, once again today, we just, we just want to pause at the foot of the cross. And we can't really understand how much of an ending the cross seems. Except that we know that our lives feel like they have really big endings. Like, how could you ever accept us after whatever it is we've done? How could life go on after we've lost this person? And so today we remember and we thank you that Good Friday and sin and death are only part of the story. And you have dealt with the power of those things. And so as we eat and drink today, we do it with thankfulness. And and for some of us today, we do it with desperation, knowing that we need that brand new life that you offer us today and also in eternity with you. We thank you in your name. Amen. The team are going to continue playing for a little bit. Just want to invite you in this space to sit and be still and eat and drink as you're ready.